you know by now that the dogs in my house wear Paco collars, and the newest addition is Stig's tan leather collar with brass fittings and turquoise stones. It seriously looks like the bay we bought our house on, and his smooth coat and long neck show it off perfectly. We picked it out in person at Paco's booth, and the staff helped us to be sure we got the exact fit and style that was right for him. I catch myself mesmerized by this collar when I walk him. How crazy is that? So get over to PacoCollars.com and grab a collar you'll be obsessed with, and don't forget to use the promo code COGDOG for free shipping. We've got a puppy. Puppy Elementary is my puppy training subscription service, and it's all about our new puppy, Watson. It's just $45 for six months of Watson's development and education, and you'll have indefinite access to the materials, so sign up anytime. Just go to www.thecognitivecanine.com and click the Puppy Elementary tab at the top of the page to register. Each week, you'll have access to multiple training videos and blogs, as well as constant access to the Puppy Elementary Facebook group, where you can talk about your progress with other students. Watson won't stay little for long, so join now. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of The Cognitive Canine, and this is called Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. All right, dog people of the internet, this is the final installment of the case study on Paige, the golden retriever, and we have Deb, Paige's human on the phone. Deb, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And will you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and Paige, maybe how long you've been competing um, and where Paige falls in the grand scheme of that? Sure. Um, I actually trained my first dog when I was um, 15 years old, which was a very, very long time ago, (laughs) and in 4-H, and at that time, agility didn't exist. It was just obedience, so she was trained to a CDX level um, at that time, and then I, you know, grew up and went to college and got my first house and got that, happened to be living in Columbus, Ohio, and got my first dog who was a border collie off a working Angus cattle farm. And um, so I've been training as an adult for about 20 years in uh, first obedience and then agility. And since then, um, field, so hunt tests and tracking and rally, and we're just starting nose work. So she is my fifth competition dog. I think, as an adult, um, and she is my third, I'm sorry, she's my sixth competition dog, and she's my third golden. Cool, and that's kind of, you know, I wanted to get a little bit of that history, because I mentioned several times in the case study so far that it's not like you were new to dog training (laughs) when you and I started working together, Um, and what I think is important about that is that no matter how long you've been doing stuff, you can still get a dog that throws you curveballs, right? And it's, there's no shame in that. And I think what's really important is that we 
you know, reach out and get help um, when we need it. So what made you decide to get serious about Paige's issues? Well, the good thing about my background is I had herding dogs first. So I've ha- I had a Border Collie. I've had Belgian Shepherds. So when she she is a very high-drive, serious working dog. Yeah. So she's not this cute, fuzzy, golden retriever. And that was actually good because I at least knew how to hand. I thought I knew how to handle her. But she's very brilliant. She, um, if you know anything about tracking, She's certified to track, so she passed an AKC-type tracking test at 19 weeks of age. <laughs> and she she got her TD and her TDX three weeks apart when she was eight months old. And she became a cha- champion tracker when she was 19 months old. Months. <laughs> so and that's so she, much independent um, thought on the dog's part. brilliant. She yeah. had her junior hunter by 18 months, and she had her novice agility titles by 18 months. I think she learned weed pulls in five days. She just, she's very, very bright. Now, the interesting thing was I was not working full time from the time I got her up until 20 months when she was 20 months old. So she hit adolescence. I went back to work full time and this arousal started ramping up. So before she was two years old, I had... I just had a chattering, drooling maniac in the agility ring. Um, And I would go to seminars and people would say, first of all, they didn't expect her to present the way she did because she's golden. And then (laughs) they would say, and these are brilliant agility people. These are not, these are great people who I respect a lot. And she would blow up on me and start cussing me out in the ring and not do anything. And people would just say, oh, you've got a training problem. You just need to train harder. And only one of those instructors looked at her and said, I'm not sure what that is. And actually identified it as something different than a training problem. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't figure out that I had a well-trained dog. She was proof. She was... You know, she was all these things in training. And then we'd get in the competition room at ring, and she was a wild beast. So um, that's what I had figured out on my own, that it wasn't necessarily training, but it was something else that was causing her not to think to her training. And I don't remember exactly how I heard either about your blog or your podcast, but I remember listening to you. Jade's podcast and thinking that's the page and so that's why I contacted you because I'm like finally somebody's getting to this arousal piece because that seems to be my problem that I don't know how to figure out yeah and I think that's so common and why the podcast in particular about Jade has led a lot of people to the worked up program because like the instructor that you described, I looked at Jade and said, yeah, there's something else going on here. <laughs> yes. All right. So we worked really hard on page in a lot of different areas. Did anything about the process surprise you? I think the thing that surprised me most is what we ended up with her uh, start line kind of start line procedure, but going into the ring procedure. Yeah. Never in my mind did I think tugging with this dog into the ring would be the best option. And when you look at a dog like her, 
the thought of, I always had the thought of bringing her down. And so it surprised me that tugging actually calmed her and relaxed her. It gave her something to do as she waited to start because that's one of Paige's biggest problems is she has zero patience about waiting. She does not like to wait. And so that activity allowed her to wait and be calm on the start line. Yeah, and that's definitely not an across-the-board recommendation. I remember that was something that we we just tried out. Um, I find that some dogs, they kind of expel energy onto the tug, whereas other dogs, um, it's kind of the other way around, and the tug kind of brings it out of them. Paige uh-huh. was already plastered to the ceiling, so we gave her a tug, and she, it was almost like she could just get some of it out on the tug yeah. before... Uh-huh you started and that wound up being really successful for you guys yes it did very successful remind me because i don't remember have you done any of that in your obedience work with her the tugging um we tugged and we had a good tug and a good out i mean we had a good controlled tug i mean with rules around it like don't bite the mama and um when mom says out out but um no, I haven't. I had not up to that point done a lot of it. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was kind of something we arrived at a little bit later. We did a lot of work with food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just tried it, and it really helped you guys to get into the ring. You kind of did a little cue testing outside of the ring, and then you would tug to, right. up to the line, and that's kind of been your your golden ticket. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I learned through the process was she back chains really well. Like you show her a, a process once and the second time she's going to start guessing it. And on the third time she's got it. She, she knows 10 steps into it where it's going to end up. And so when we started the, you know, the behavior, the cue testing and all that and the warm up, you know, it started back at the warm up. She would just start, when we first put this into a process, she would start just ramping high. But the more we did it, it became a comfort for her. And she's like, yep, I know what's coming next. Yep, I know what's coming next. And that, you know, it ended up having the effect that we needed to get her to where she could think. Yeah, which is really interesting. I mean, you said she learned weave pulls in five days. Um, So that's a dog that understands that process really well. And something that we, you and I talked about, which I think is related to this, is that she was always trying to guess what the next step was. And when she guesses right, it just works out for you. But sometimes she doesn't. And then that's when you get this frustration spiral. So if you can be very clear about what each step is, then that's really beneficial. Yeah, and I think that's part of the... One of the big takeaways, um, probably not the biggest, but one of the big takeaways that I I learned through the process was really being methodical about reinforcing each step and really planning each step. And, And I tended, before we worked together, I tended to group things more than I do now. I'm really down to the the littler pieces and spending you know, several days on reinforcing those little pieces. And it's just putting all that reinforcement history into all the foundational pieces and 
getting that be, that really solid behavior and then learning how to make it become ring sustainable. I think those are the two things where I grew tremendously in my dog training. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that's something that we just kind of get away with, with most dogs not doing, right? And then you get a dog right. like Paige and you're just not going to get away with it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And you just have to kind yeah. of up your skills, split finer, and yeah, use that ring sustainable reinforcement. Um, go ahead. Well, and that's what I was just thinking when she got her, because um, she has her AKC and her CDSP CDX open titles. And when she got her, C, like, she got her CDSP open title in a weekend, three straight, and the first time she ever failed in the ring was that fourth that bumper leg and I it was it was like three years before I was able to go into the AKC ring because she literally guessed her way through that title in one weekend (laughs) and after she got the three legs like we couldn't buy a because then she started being like well do you want to sit on recall or she started getting creative in her guesswork (laughs) yeah and it's like that's that's where I go back to this dog is brilliant. She guesses so well that she fools me and she still fools me. And, Oh no, I got it, mom. What's your problem? And then we'll get into a different situation or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I've never seen that before. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She, she does. She's, you know, we talked about that a lot working with her, that she's just very, very bright and very sharp. And, People think that that's what they want in a dog, um, and not to say it's not what you—it's not what you want, but it is harder. It does make you work harder. Yeah, really. My Belgian sheepdog was not the brightest bulb in the bunch, and I thanked the high heavens for that <laughs> lots of times. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so if you could go back and tell yourself on day one of this process something. What would you do? What would you say? I would tell myself that the communication piece, the marker training, was the most important thing that Paige and I got out of the whole process. It was the thing that changed our relationship. And I think we spent the entire first month, the entire month of May, on trying to get me to be a marker trainer. And I remember we were like two or three weeks in and I, you know, showed you this video. I uploaded this video and your critique started out with something to the effect of, I really respect the effort that you're giving to this project. And (laughs) I just remember laughing and thinking, that is the greatest compliment ever, ever, because it means after two weeks, the only thing I can find that's good about this video is that you're still giving it effort. <laughs> you are still trying. <laughs> oh, but we, I'm still not the greatest marker trainer in the world. I still put the hand in the pocket too soon sometimes, but I'm a whole lot better than I was. <laughs> you are, and you know what is interesting is that the reason it's so hard is because you were training dogs without it for so long. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I've got a student 
now who's brand basically brand new to dog training and basically brand new to marker training and she's like picked it up so easily because it's it's all she's learned yeah um but I, you did you worked really really hard and you got <laughs> you got good enough at it that Paige understood it and that you also knew when you had made an error that caused a problem yeah and that's why this this I mean that's why it's your four keys to behavioral wellness and that's why after going through this process I understand that and going into this process I would not I probably didn't even give it a thought but I could literally see on her face she was like oh my god mom you learned to talk to me she was so grateful to be able to communicate with me and that I figured it out like I figured out how to talk to her and she just stepped up to the plate and that I mean she has always She's a very aloof dog. Um, once again, she I'm really not sure genetically she should be a golden retriever, but um, she should be. <laughs> she's she's aloof and she's she um, is not affectionate and she's learned by watching um, my older golden that if she goes up to people and acts like a golden that they'll give her cookies and that's really all she wants. Um, but she's She's not affectionate. She's not going to be the dog who snuggles with you at all. She does not like the touching. And she makes that very clear. She does not like the touching. And But she asked, our relationship changed with that communication piece to where she is affectionate with me. She will come and lay with me. She will, you know, our relationship is so much better because of the communication. And I love hearing that because I think that people just kind of think I'm a stickler for rules and that's just so not really it. It's about the fact that I know that if you use this technology appropriately, your communication will improve and because of that, your relationship will improve. And that's really what I'm after is it's not about performance. It's not about titles. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about how can you live better with this dog so you're both happier together. Yeah. So what is Paige up to these days? Um, what was the what was the conclusion in your words of coaching and do you feel like it was successful? Well, I'm I'm really proud of the work that we did and I by no means regret any of it because um Paige, you know, you mentioned I in the first podcast, you know, I was raising a puppy at the same time with Paige. So she one hundred percent benefited from it. I have another puppy who's 18 weeks old, and he's also from high drive field lines, and he's benefiting from it. And it's so cute to watch this little puppy who comes out of the crate, and he's chattering. He's just so intense to work. He's chattering already. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness I know how to deal with this. And um, so, but we had... um, you and I, and this goes back to people who train their dogs and have this relationship with their dogs know their dogs. And you and I had kind of started seeing things in February and March where we just weren't sure about the way Paige was using her body. So unfortunately, our coaching came to an abrupt end in July when Paige had a back injury. Yep. And we decided it was safer for her to no longer do contact. She was nine and a half. And 
Um, she's never been kind to her body. She's always gone at 100 miles an hour, and I don't. I know there is at least a half a dozen times where she has come off the absolute top of that A-frame straight to the ground. Yeah. And so, um, so that ended her standard career. I dropped her to preferred when she was running 16 inches um, with just jumpers, and that was a whole new, whole new speed realm for us. Oh, I'm sure. So my handling was, we were in a dis- different zip code quite a bit. And I had decided to um, focus on getting her utility title in AKC and CDSP and then in obedience and then starting nose work. So in actually about three weeks ago, she, we finally pulled it together. We laid down the most beautiful jumpers run we did everything perfect. It did not get on video. And <laughs> three hours later, I got her out of the crate to go home, and she limped all the way to the car. Oh, man. And unfortunately, she's been limping on and off since, and we're still trying to diagnose, but she likely has um, tendonitis and or arthritis in her right shoulder. So unfortunately, we're still training. We're doing nose work. And that's a great, and articles, and those are great things to do, um, but we're still trying to sort out some orthopedic issues, so. And for you guys who haven't seen Paige necessarily, I gotta tell you, I was constantly amazed, actually, at how well she was moving for a dog of her age and her breed. I mean, she, the fact that she held up as well as she did for as long as she did with how yeah. abusive she is towards herself is pretty incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, it, you know, it's a bummer, yeah. but I have no doubt that you guys will figure that out and go on to get, go on to get that utility title and do nose work. Yeah. Yes. Well, we have good care and we've always seen, we, that's another thing with the wellness and all that. I, I think my dog athletes get better care than me. So we've always, we have a relationship with her. We have that. So that comes in handy when they hurt themselves. Yes. Your dogs are always being seen. I mean, and through this whole process, it wasn't just you and I noticing her body. It was also that you have her worked on very regularly. So we always knew, okay, we need to back off for a couple of weeks and then we get cleared to go back in and that kind of stuff. So it was, you know, we were dealing with an aging body and anyway, and I think she held up really, really well for everything that we did, um, and I'm not surprised that there might be some arthritis brewing <laughs> in, yeah, in the stock. Yeah, that's shocking. <laughs> she has arthritis in her right shoulder. I'm, I'm shocked. Shocking, so. shocking. Um, all right, Deb, is there anything that you would like to add? Um, I don't think so. Oh, I do have – well – I do have one thing that uh, I find myself saying recently. When things got hard, and they did, um, I remember the first time we tried to put behavior into the ring. Mm -hmm. And I, on my own, had tried to do several retrains of start lines and things like that. And I always got a really great behavior, and then I'd try to put it in the ring, and it would fall apart. And so that's where I would kind of give up. And so... I wasn't surprised when the first time we tried to put some behaviors into the first trial or the first run-throughs 
they fell apart, we went backwards. And mm-hmm. I just remember being so frustrated. How many times was I so frustrated that things went badly? And you kept saying, it's all data. It's all information. Yep. We just respond to the information. And having, reframing that as much as I want to get to the emotional place, I want to be like, you know, I want to be upset about it and all that. There's, you know, you can have your 20 minutes of upset, but then go back and look at the data. You know, they're, they're dogs. They're just giving you feedback and they're not trying to make your lives miserable. They're not thinking, ha ha ha. I let her go 10 months and think that she had this down. You know, (laughs) they're not, they're not like that. They're just giving you feedback. (laughs) And as hard as it is to hear that, And, you know, probably the timing, sometimes you have to get your 20 minutes of, of upsetness out before you hear that. Which is fair. Um, that, I think, is another big takeaway for me. And I, I find myself saying that to other people and then even say, and saying that to myself. Well, it's all data. She just told you that she did not understand that. And that's like me talking about my latest project of teaching. So... You know, you just go at it another way. You give it more time. You put re- more reinforcement. You take a step back and put more reinforcement on it, you know. And I think that was really important, too. I think that if I could teach everybody that as their primary takeaway, I would be really, really happy because it's so easy to put so many feelings into this and so much emotion into it because we love them. This isn't a machine that we take out and race on the weekend this is our dog our friend our partner that we put so much into and it's so easy to just get emotional about the failure and it's also fine to get emotional about it like you just said but then when you're done go back to the drawing board go back to the data figure out what you actually need to do so I'm really happy that you brought that up yeah yeah it was another important part and piece of our learning yeah, I think it was it was huge for you. I had to tell it to you <laughs> so many times. We, I mean, and we were breaking down percentages on your training videos, and it's it's not it's not fun that way. It's really you know I think sometimes we have more fun if the dogs just really easy and they let us be sloppy. Um, but those dogs. I don't think achieve the same level of greatness as these super bright, really sharp dogs that we keep going after for our sport. So I think it's important yeah. to just up our training game. I, yeah. I agree. I think that, um, you know, I think about my, I've, I've had, uh, six, seven, eight, eight or nine competition dogs now over the last 20 years. And, the two I wish I could have complete do-overs with are my very first border collie and then Paige because they're, I mean, they were the biggest challenges I owned yeah. and, and I learned so much from them and it's just, you, at, at toward the, you know, now I'm looking at the waning days of her career and I'm just like, you know, if I only knew now what I knew, you know, if I could get you all over again, knowing what I know now, Wow, that would be a ride. It would be amazing. But do be careful saying that out loud because you know what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I do know what happens. I may have that at 18 weeks. 
sitting downstairs right now. I'm not sure Oh, yet. boy. And in, in a boy dog body. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> all right, Deb, this has been so fun. You've been such a pleasure to work with. Thank, thank you so much for talking to me on the podcast. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to CogDog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to CogDogRadio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the CogDog Radio Facebook page. And until next time, happy training.